0: Last week we opened up this series that we're going to be in for quite some time. And it's, again, titled, Who Do You Think You Are? And we are looking at those truths of who we are, our identity in Jesus Christ. And when we begin to discover our true identity in Jesus Christ and not just discover it cognitively, but we begin to live out of it, Emotionally and spiritually, that's when the cage, the walls begin to drop. That's when the shackles begin to loosen. That's when we begin to live in what Jesus said when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so, a lot of reasons, a lot of the biggest reason why we don't live in that truth is because um, we're being deceived. The last thing that the enemy wants you to understand is your true identity in Jesus Christ. The enemy does not want you to see. Where you may have an idol within your life where you've placed certain things in God's position and you're looking for those things to give you what only God can give you such as worth and value and that kind of stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, last week I gave you one disclaimer about... Remember. In Genesis, when we read, God created man, and in the root of that, in the Hebrew context, it literally means mankind. It means humans. It means uh, human. All that stuff. Not not just between man and woman, but it means mankind. Disclaimer number two today is, and it's already started with me. Through this series, you're going to get mad. You're going to get frustrated. Some of it will start today, because when we start talking about idols, that gets right down to where we live. And when anybody starts wrestling with one of your idols, you're going to fight, you're going to get angry, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to start blaming, you're going to start looking at all these external things, and you're going to saying, but, 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 the reason why I do this is because of this. The reason why I do this is because of that. The reason why this idol's over here, or this idol's here, or this idol is there, is because of fill in the blank. If you find yourself, and I'm telling you that will happen because it's already happened to me. And I'm telling you what, if you live under the impression that I stand and preach at you, I'd like to have a come to Jesus meeting with you. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, this stuff hits me way sooner than it hits you. And I know what it feels like to get hit by this. So if you think that I'm impervious to this or that I'm uh, in some pedestal where I don't experience this or that I'm coming after you or I'm I'm preaching at you, I would say guess again because I'm in this too. And I've got my idols that God is saying, this has got to go. This has got to go. This has got to go. So I'm asking you to journey with me. I'm asking you to open up your heart To the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you've been here at this church for years. I don't care if you've been following Christ for before you were even born. I don't know how that happens, but some of you I think may have that in your mind. I'm telling you that we are on a journey, and until we see Jesus face to face, we're constantly going to be we're 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 constantly being transformed in his image, which means he's constantly coming at times saying. Let's move this. Let's move this. Let's pull this out. Let's do this. Let's do that. And he doesn't do it all at once because I think it would be extremely overwhelming. But I'm telling you, hang in there with me, okay? That's my disclaimer number two. This morning we're going to talk about we're going to talk about idolatry or, um, identity idolatry, and it's really the it's really. Um, Part two of what we discovered last week. Last week, I shared with you, uh, it all starts by understanding who we are. It's got to start in the Word of God. It starts back in Genesis where it says we were created in the image of God. What does that mean? We're created as spiritual beings. We're created as emotional beings. We're created in the image of God. We have some of those characteristics like God has. We, last week, we talked about that. And we talked, that, if you remember, and we just sang a song that said this. We talk about us being mirrors of God. Remember? As we receive what God gives to us, we cast it out on the other. And what it does is others sees that, see that, they look back at us and it reflects back up to God. So what they're seeing is God. When you allow the Holy Spirit in your life to change you, and you no, you you get over this bitterness and anger and this, all this other stuff, and it's replaced with joy and hope and peace and long-suffering and patience, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, as Paul talks about in Galatians 5, when you do that, the people see God. Jesus told us that. He taught us that as a human. He said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father what was he saying? He was saying, I'm God, but he was saying, I'm reflecting God. It's, this is what's going on. This is what we've been called to do. We also talked last week, and like I said, that one song we sang, did you, did you pick up on the words that it said? You know, it talked about when, when God's just revealing himself. Now I'm forgetting the words of that song. <laughs> but it talked about, it, it, it showed how God, we see God. We see God through this kind of, through this type of action. Him showcasing Himself through these types of things. Last week we talked about being humbly honored, which humble in the root of that word literally means to know our place before God. We are not God. None of us are God. We're created in the image of God, but we're not God. We're not animals either. We reside in that middle. We're called to, to, to govern over God's creation and to enjoy God's creation but we're called to be good stewards of God's creation, but we're not God, we're we're kind of right there in the middle, that we're we're not animals though. We also talked about us being uh, uh, revelation receivers. Your identity, you don't have to go to Europe, you don't have to go off on some journey to find yourself, to find who you truly are. If you're searching, that's the whole dichotomy. You're never going to find it in a sense per se, because it's revealed to you. When you begin to live in harmony with the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus taught us these truths. Do you understand why it 's so important to read the Word of God? When we spend time reading it, we, under, we begin to see we understand these truths as God reveals them to us that 's how He reveals them to us, and He does it through the power of his holy Spirit and so when we spend time in the Word of God and we learn when Jesus said Remember when Peter said Jesus said, who does people think I am? And he, they laid out some things. They think you're you know, this person, this person, or this person. And he says, who do, you, who do you think I am? And what does Peter say? You're the Messiah. And Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Peter. Why? Because God the Father has revealed this to you. Meaning that we don't have the capabilities of seeing it unless God through His Spirit, reveals these truths to us. That's why it's extremely important to spend time in the prayer and word, because God reveals Himself to us. And when we quench the Holy Spirit, when we grieve the Holy Spirit working within our lives, when the Holy Spirit ministers within your life, He comes into your life, and He says, hey, you got an idol right here. You've got something right here that needs to be dug out. You've got something in here that's kind of painful. But in order to be transformed more into the image of God, we've got to take this out. And when you say, I'm not doing that, I'm not going to do that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit, and at some point, you're not going to be able to see things of God, and you're not going to be hear, hear things of God, because that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This isn't some pick-and-choose buffet type thing. It's the Holy Spirit doing His ministry within us. Today, we're going to talk about identity idolatry. And In Ezekiel 14.3, it says that, and, I, and I, let me say this, guys. I would doubt that, uh, you know, I I would really hope to not think this, but I highly doubt that there's someone sitting in here this morning that has some idol, like we read about in the Old Testament, in your backyard. Like you have this Asherah pole in your backyard, or this this monument to Baal, or something other type of idol where you go out each evening or in the morning or whenever and you bow down before it and 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 you're you you know you're praying to it and stuff like that i pray that no one has something like that within their life but when we talk about idol idol or identity idolatry god's saying it's no longer about that it's in here that's why when god spoke through jeremiah and ezekiel and he said i've got to give you a new heart why because they brought their idols into their hearts They're no longer these external tangible things. They're no longer this, this thing where I'm going to worship this. It's become now within our heart, within their hearts. They've brought the idols within their hearts. And that's why it's so critical when, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus and Nicodemus was like, well, how am I to be born again? How am I to understand these truths? Or how am I to understand these truths? And Jesus says, you got to be born again. You've got to have a new heart placed within you. You've got to have new ears. You've got to have new eyes so that you can see and ascertain the truth because the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Because your heart is off. This morning I want to talk to you about those idols. And you have a sheet of paper there with me. I want you to follow along with me. But the problem is no longer the external. The problem is inside of us. Idolatry is when we place anything in the place of God. Anything in the place of God where it's our, where we look to it for our hope, our joy, where we want it, you know, who we want to be and who we want others to perceive us to be or something that we've achieved or it's, it's whatever it is. When we place something like that before God and give it Godlike attributes, we have ourselves an idol. And and the Bible says to us, indicates in points, two categories that take place. Number one, you have worshipers and then you have idolaters. Worshippers are the ones who has got it figured out where they say, you know what? I'm going to allow Jesus to give me a new heart and I'm going to follow and I'm going to worship him. And idolaters are the ones who, in Romans 125, Paul, t- Paul talks about this, and he makes this statement. He says, "They exchange the lie, or they exchange the truth about God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is forever blessed. Amen." What Paul's is saying is this: When you put an idol up, you 've exchanged the truth for God." When you put something up in your life, and we're going to talk about these things. When you put an idol up and you say, this is what's going to give me worth. This is what's going to give me value. This is what's going to give me my identity. Whether it be clothes, whatever it may be. This is what's going to happen. What you've done is what Paul says. You've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And now you're living in a position where you're being extremely deceived and you don't know the truth. Your eyes are blinded. Your ears are stunted. You can't hear. You can't see. And the only thing that can happen is that you allow Jesus to come in and literally eradicate that. Now the second thing is this. So there's two, there's two positions here that the Bible talks about. Worshippers and idolaters. That's an idolater. A worshiper says that I'm not doing that. I'm placing God first and foremost in my life. God is my identity, he's where I get my value, he's where I get my worth. Now guys, think think about this. And this is where it goes back to what Jesus said when he said, if you understand the truth, the truth will set you free. What happens when you take someone or something out of the place of being God? What happens is, you begin to live life to the fullest, because now you don't have to serve that. You now get to enjoy creation like God intended to be enjoyed when you exchange the truth for a lie though you now are enslaved to something that's never going to give you what you're expecting it to give you does that make sense and so when you let that go and you put god in the proper place and you put everything else in its proper place now you can enjoy people and we're going to talk you're going to enjoy people because if you if you place another person's opinion ahead you know and it's like this is where i get my value and if this person doesn't agree with me i'm going to be upset and blah 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 you've put that posi- you put that person in the place of god and when you put God back at the top, now you can enjoy people relationships. Now you can enjoy the creation the way it's intended to be. So, as I share with you, I just want to, I just want to. You know, share that, that that thought with you first. Um, and and again, I just I ask that you would hang with me, even if you get frustrated. It's going to happen. Uh, we read about an Acts with Paul when he went into Ephesus and he challenged them. He found their idols. He challenged the idols. They drug him outside. They picked up rocks. They stoned him. And they thought he was dead. We don't like it when someone tampers with our idols. We get very angry and frustrated. So I'm just saying, I'm trying to let you know this up front, so that if you begin to get really tense and uptight during this, this message, just take a deep breath and understand, maybe the Spirit is trying to communicate with your heart. So, let's take a look at these. That sheet I gave you, I want you to follow along. Um, I'm not going to go in order, Okay? So if you have an idol that says that you have to go in order to complete each line in order, you're going to be frustrated, okay? You're not going to get your worth attributed to you, okay? I joke, but I guarantee there's going to be someone call me this week. You didn't go in order. I don't understand why we can't go in order, you know? What theology is there about order? There's none. I just want to do it to upset you, okay? Let's start with the first one, duties, okay? Duties. I'm a student, I'm a theologian, I'm first born, I'm responsible, I'm the funny one. Every time something gets difficult, I'm the one that brings light to the situation. I'm a construction worker, I'm an attorney, I'm a machinist, I'm a farmer, I'm a teacher. What is it that we say that this is my duty? And a lot of times those things can become our identity. We say, well, this is who I am. But here's what happens is, if our identity is in the duty, you try to find the thing that is you. Well what's my thing? If that's if my duty's me, then what's my thing? Well, I'm artsy. Well, I'm contemplative. Well, I like to do this or do that. Well, this is me, this is not. So what happens is now you're trying to find in your duty who you are. Do you see how backwards that is? It doesn't define you and never will. Here's the truth. Who you are determines what you do. I want you to think about that because the world flips that. I want to tell you the truth again. Who you are determines what you do. It's not flipped. You don't do, you're not, you're not, you know, like what you do determines who you are. That's not, that's not it at all. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And because your identity is in Jesus Christ, it's going to change, hopefully, the things that you do, the way that you live your life. It's not reversed like the world says it to be. If it's reversed, now what we have is good old humanistic psychology is what we've got. And it says, well, then here's a list of things that you need to do so that you can be different. I don't know about you, but I've tried that a few times. And that is the most frustrating way of going about something. You know why it's the most frustrating th- way? Is because it literally contradicts the Word of God. It literally goes against the Word of God. That's not the way it That's not how we're created. That's not the way it is. We are a child of God. And by being a child of God, by being His family, it affects what we do. Don't get wrapped up into the self-help movement and all these other things because it's not going to change you. It's going to bring a lot of frustrations. So under duties on that line, if this is one that you really struggle with or as you contemplate and think about it, write down some of those things. That who, you know, who are you? And that's the question we're answering. Who am I? Does your job define you? Does, all, does these other things define you? Or first and foremost, does the, your relationship in Jesus Christ define Literally, who you are. The second one is this. Now, follow along with me. Don't check out. Sufferings. What do you mean by sufferings? Sufferings is when we suffer emotionally, we suffer relationally, we suffer spiritually, we suffer financially, we suffer physically, whatever it may be, they begin to become who we are, and it becomes an idol. Case in point who are you? Well, I'm divorced. Well, I'm single. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not married. I really want to be married, but I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm divorced. I'm, I've been hurt. My spouse had an affair on me. And so that becomes who we are if we're not careful. That becomes an identifier. That becomes an idol where we say, well, this is who I am. Again, can you, un- can you see the deception that's taking place in here? That's not who you are. You are a child in Jesus Christ. You are a son or a daughter of the King. You are not just a divorcee. You're not just something that, something bad. I'm a cancer patient or these other things. And I'm not, please don't hear me minimizing those things. That's not my point. But my point is, if we're not careful, we allow those things to become our identifiers. And it's off. And last week I talked about this. It's The enemy has, we're going this way and the enemy just wants to take us just a little bit this way. But what happens is, this is the straight way, we end up over here when we just go off just a little bit right here. And we have to be extremely careful. I think it's exactly what Paul was talking about when he said, take captive every thought. It's a mind game. The enemy wants to destroy each and every one of us. It's a mind game. And so sufferings can be one of those idols where we say, "Well, this is who I am. This is my identifier." No, it's not. Longings. So if you're let's you're, you're sitting in here this morning and you've been devalued or whatever, and you're suffer, whatever that suffering is, write it down. Write write out some things. By the way, that card is supposed to be filled out by you, and you're not filling it out for your spouse, okay, or someone else. Well, I'm okay, so I'll fill it out for this guy next to me, right? You know, that's not the way it is. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to engage with that card. Please do that. The next one is longings. Longings is the one where it's masked as being biblical, but it's, it's not really biblical hope. It's more naive optimism. Today's not going really good, but tomorrow's going to be better. You know, I'm having a rough week, but I know next week's gonna be great. You know, I'm single right now, but tomorrow I'm gonna to be married. I don't have kids right now, but I'm going to have kids. I'm not, I'm not physically fit right now, but one of these days I'm going to be physically fit. And so these longings can become an idol where it begins to identify ourselves. And what happens is, what happens if that doesn't come true? Can, you're not gonna be happy? You, you see what I'm saying? We're, we're giving it. We're giving it worth. We're giving it value. Where we're saying these things that I long for. I long for my children to listen to me. I long for my husband to be respectful. I long for you know. And we and we believe that one day it's going to happen because I'm praying. You know, doing this thing. And, and yeah, I get that. That part of that is is it needs to happen, but it doesn't identify who we are. And when we stick ourselves in that position and we belongings can actually become an idol to us again, the enemy is extremely deceitful and very subtle in it, and so some of us we always look at you know what 's going to happen tomorrow. Solomon says it very, very poignantly; he says it 's like chasing after the wind, some of us that's what it's like is chasing after the wind but so if you're in this one, write down, write down where, you're, where you're engaging in that one. The next one is, is, um, the, is O, which is others. Now, others is, is a little bit more, I think it's a little bit more easy to identify, but it's very hard, and that is this. We ask the question, what do they think? What does that person think? If I think for myself, that person might reject me, and if that person rejects me, I'm going to crumble to pieces. Now, sum up, does that make sense? I'll be honest, I struggle with that one, okay? And here's the beauty of this. I've realized, and I've been talking to a couple other guys, I've realized that I can be very open about myself and people just applaud that right along. You guys are in this too, okay? Because for some of us, we may struggle with that one, of what people think. And so if you get mad at me, I've got to do what you want so that you'll be happy with me. I've made you an idol. Or the other one is this. We become the person that says, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah, you do. The reason why you're so staunch about not caring is because you really deep down care. It's, It's horrible. The fear of man. Solomon writes about this again in Proverbs. He says, the fear of man is a trap. It'll absolutely kill you. The fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. And he says, you know, it's this thing. I want them to be like me. I want them to approve of me. I don't want them to punish me. I want them to accept me. I don't want them to forsake me. I, you know, you know, I want them to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Which only Christ can say. And those words are extremely powerful. Guys, tell me this doesn't drive us seriously. You don't like. Okay, you guys don't struggle with it, right? What kind of car do you drive? Do you drive a Ford or a Chevy? Do you drive a Dodge or a GMC? What sports team do you root for? What clothes do you wear? Here is the tricky part. What happens is when you idolize someone, when you begin to idolize people, and this is where we're all going to relate with this. When you start idolizing people, what happens is you've got to demonize somebody else. Because there's going to be someone over here that that you idolize, and this person over, this per, if this person is in disagreement, you can't have both and, right? You can't get along. It can't be both and. This person drives a Ford. I want to be accepted by this person. I'm going to own a Ford. This person drives a GMC. I can't stand that person. This person here is a Wolverine. And if I'm a Wolverine, i got to hate the Buckeyes. Thank you. That was first in the first service, too survey says right there and i also have to hate michigan state we all hate notre dame right so that's good you know <laughs> we don't have to talk about that one i'm a u of m fan i gotta hate the spartans i gotta hate bu- the buckeyes those people are idiots they're demons right what is i mean what is you know what what is you know it, it comes down to the clothes we wear um what's your race oh i'm italian why well, i'm hispanic why well, i'm irish I'm Asian, it's, it's like who we are, this is my gender, my income level, you know, this is my income level, this is my sexual orientation, this is my hobby, this is my sports team, this is my favorite college football team, whatever, this is my favorite pro team, this is my favorite baseball team, these are my favorite, by the way, if you're a Republican, you got to hate the Democrats, if you're a Democrat, you got to hate the Republicans, right? You got to hate someone. You got to demonize something, and 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 what ha- that's what happens when you idolize. Jonathan Edwards, Edwards is the one that really coined. It. He said, "If you idolize, you will demonize." You know why? Because if I worship them, then I have to hate the others. So it's not just about I disagree with that political party. They're demonized. They're barely human. My sports team were like Jesus, and that sports team is like Satan. Think about it. I know it doesn't affect us, does it? You like hymns? Or do you like the new music? Because if you like the new music, you've got to hate the people that like the hymns. And if you like the hymns, you've got to hate the people that like the new music. Do you wear a tie to church? You've got to wear a tie to church, don't you? He wears jeans to church. That's a demon. That's the Antichrist in the flesh. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but everything I've talked about has been what? Temporary. Temporary things. Things that really don't matter whatsoever. Hey, farmers, do you drive green or red? Red. Yellow. It's real. It's real. What kind of car am I going to buy? I'm a family man now. I can't buy a sports car anymore, right? My identity shot in the sports car arena. So, am I going to buy an SUV? I'm driving a minivan. <laughs> My identity shot. Heaven forbid someone see me in a minivan. My identity is, is is absolutely shot. That's why I had to buy a Harley, right? I I I, I I'm breaking even right now, right? It, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's so true. It's so true. We get worked up about it. We come in the church and what we talk about, we get all upset with each other because of the temporary things. I'm really, I, I could really go off right here on a soapbox, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. But I'm telling you, we go off on the temporary things. The things that are tools that help us minister to people. Some of us have elevated those to doctrines. It's like, wh- what? And if you don't agree with them, I feel devalued. Well, what about me? I feel devalued. You see, it's, it's crazy. We elevate things, we elevate others, and then we demonize. If we got, we got to demonize. We can't, we can't be in this. But we, we, we take all these temporal things and we lump them together. And now we, we're not focused on the eternal things, but we get so caught up in these temporary things where the enemy just sits back and he just laughs and he just says, Holy cow, there's no way they're free. They're caged, man. They're caged. I love this because in the first service, it's kind of the same way. I can I can see how people or some people are kind of like getting tighter and tighter. You know, like, Ugh! I mean, you can see it. The last one is this, items. Items is uh, that category which says, in, in sociologists, it's consumerism. We've made consumerism a religion. And it basically, you know, I mean, think about it. What do you wear, you know? You know, you, you, there's people that go to the. You know, I, we're probably all guilty to it to a certain degree. The very clothes that we buy is like, how's it going to make me look? It's my identity, right? I'm looking for something uh, like, you know, that I, uh, you know, I've got a Harley. I love Harleys, but Harleys is, I think, are the masterminds of marketing. They sell you a lifestyle. I mean, it's a lifestyle. And you can buy into it because that's your identity now. And I find it very amusing for me, and I know Jeff's been in this and a couple of you others that, that are bikers. Man, when you put leather on, you're somebody different. I mean, people like kind of walk away from you. I've heard some people say, our pastor's got a Harley? And it's like, and? What does that mean? I don't understand what that means. But, but, but items, and the bigger concern is, you know, is it, is it become an identity factor for me or anything else within our lives? If you'd heard Cliff Marr, he attends the Adrian campus. If you'd heard his testimony, his life testimony, he was so into the hot rods. That was his identity. He poured thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into hot rods and taking them to the to the shows and winning trophies. And he always had to be number one. And he literally that was his who he was. And then he went from hot rods to Harleys. And he had to have the biggest and baddest Harley and he would dump thousands of... He told me once, and he would share this with you guys too, that he dropped $40,000 into one particular bike he had. $40,000, why? Because it was his identity. God began to to reach into his life to say, this is wrong. This isn't right. You're grasping the wind. You're chasing the wind, Cliff. And so Cliff, out of his obedience to Jesus Christ, sold his Harley. Bought a Suzuki. That lasted like... (laughs) That lasted about a month. But he went up north, and he had this God moment, and he sat down and he prayed with God. And God came to him and he said, Cliff, I've created you to be who you are. I get that you like Harleys, but it's not your identity. It's not who you are. You are my child. That's your identity. He came back, and he's been cured. Well, I shouldn't say cured, but I mean, he's been been living a life in that identity now. That he is a child of Jesus Christ. And that he doesn't have to put all of his, his efforts into some item to get some type of fixation, this sense of self-worth and value from it. Do you see what idols do? They destroy us. They cripple us. Here's where let me just here's where we go into the understanding our identity crisis. The worship team's going to come back up at this point, and we're gonna we're gonna close here in just a couple minutes uh, with some songs, but or with a song. But but I want to help you understand this identity crisis. There's a couple things here. Number one, you live in fear that your identity idolatry will fail you or be taken away from you. Just like I shared with you before, when we start challenging your idol, we get really frustrated because that's our identity. And so we live in this, this sense of fear or frustration that says, don't you dare take my idol away from me. We'll never come out and say it like that, but that's how we act. We get really upset. We get really frustrated. We get angry. Number two, our identity idol cr- crumbles under the weight of it being in God's place in our life. Anytime you place something in the place of God, it's going to come crumbling down. It just is. There is nothing that's going to stand with, with the weight of God. It's never been designed it's not designed that way. It's not the way things were created. You're literally living against the flow of things and it will come crashing down. Number 3 As your identity idolatry begins to crumble, you become panicked. My marriage is in shambles. My relationship with my kids are just going crazy. I can't lose weight. I can't do this. My finances are going out the door. I can't seem to grasp anything. I can't, And so we begin to panic because we see it come crumbling down. Some of you, that's why you're angry and frustrated is because your idol's not serving you any longer. And instead of removing the idol, you're trying to remove all the externals. If I could just move this external, if I could just move this, if this person would get out of my way, if this person would agree with me, if this, 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 or this were completely removed, everything would be fine. You're living in a lie. I'm telling you, I love you and I'm telling you, you're living in a lie. The enemy has you bound. And that is exactly what it means to be chasing after the wind. You're chasing something that you will never ever catch instead of living in congruence with the Holy Spirit and only worshiping God. Just a couple more very quick. you become others uh, this is when we start pouring out all this contempt because others aren't measuring up to us or this thing's not measuring up and so when things aren't measuring up and we're not receiving value when you're not agreeing with me when you're not on my side when you're on the opposite side of the fence when you're not all these other things when all this stuff begins to we begin to pour out contempt onto people into objects and stuff like that. There's two options that we have here, guys. One of them is that we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you're right. I've got an idol. Guys, I want to share something very quickly with you. I know we're running out of time, but I want to share something very personal with you. Our church can become an idol very easily. It can become an idol to me. Let me share with you how it can be an idol to me. It can become an idol to me because I want to be successful. And when I want to be successful, when I want to put my career, when I want to put my position on a pedestal and make it an idol, I'm going to start looking at people as objects. I'm going to start doing all these other things because that's what I want. You guys do it too. We've had conversations. This church, instead of it being a living organism, we place it on the pedestal of an idol. And all these temporary things become eternal in our minds, which they're not. This is real stuff every single one of spaces and so we've got two options, we can either continue down this path beating our heads against the wall hating people, pouring contempt out onto anybody in around us our family, our co-workers, people we attend church with, our neighbors, whatever it may be we just throw contempt out there because that's all we can do, that's what comes naturally now because we have an idol in the place of God or we can surrender this to Jesus Christ to say Jesus you're not in the rightful place in my life And I need your help. And guys, this is why I say after every talk, I pray that as we engage in this next song, that you would open your hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit's ministry is to come into your life and to reveal to you where you may be going off path, or maybe to encourage you to say, you're making grounds, man are becoming victorious but it, 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 it starts with us being in that humble contrite state before jesus to say jesus this is my life this is yours and we get our idols off of their pedestals and we put jesus back where he belongs that's what it's all about it's about jesus and his people And I'm going to close by saying this, and we've said it before, but when it comes down to that very last minute of your life, and let's say you have, you know, it's not a luxury, but let's say you do have the luxury, you're not taken out in an accident or anything like that, but let's say you live a good old age, and it comes right down to that last very minute, may I ask you, what do you think you're going to want? Is it going to be some of the things you fought so passionately for that don't have any eternal implications to it? Or are they going to be the things that really matter, such as people and Jesus? Not too many people are asking about some of the trivial things that they lived their life for throughout their years, but they're usually asking, could you please bring my family around me? Could you bring my kids Can you bring the ones I love? Can you be here with me as I go from this place to the next? Because somehow, guys, on our deathbeds is when we really get it. And I'm suggesting and asking and just putting it before you. Let's get it before then. Let's get it before then. And let's live in that peace and harmony with God. Let's understand the truth and let the truth set us free. And let the cages come down. Let the shackles come off. Let the padlocks be stripped away. And let's begin to live in the fullness of Jesus Christ. As we close here, I, I would just ask that you would allow the Spirit, to again, the Spirit to do His work. Allow Him to come into your life. Allow Him to identify some of the things that's in your life that's not, that's not measuring up or that's not in congruency with Jesus Christ. And may this be a time where you respond, to the spirit. I'm, I'm here. This is my life. Take it. Take it. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for Your words. I thank You for this moment and time that we had to come in and to get away from the world, to get away from man's kingdom and focus completely upon Your kingdom. Father, I pray this morning right now that as we, as we close our time and we have one last song, that God, your spirit would have freedom in this room. That hearts would be unclenched, arms would be unclenched. The, the walls and the gates of our hearts would be open to you. And maybe this is the first time we invite you in. Maybe it's a time where we need rekindled, that we need renewed, where we realize that we've been living a lie, that we've been living in a place where we, we understand that we're sick. And maybe this is where we respond by saying, I want to get well and allow you to heal us and to restore us. Maybe you're going to, maybe the Spirit's going to encourage us because we've been there and we can relate. and We can say, hallelujah, Jesus, I'm... I thank you for not giving up on me. God, wherever we're at, I pray that we would just welcome the Holy Spirit in here this morning. And I pray that we would respond in the way that you would have us to respond. And it's in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.